In this episode, I talk about music by The Who, Jason Isbell, Slow Dive, and Baroness. That, plus I talk about some books and stuff like that. It's it's good. It's kind of casual, but it's a good one. I'm your host, Eric Brink, and you are listening to Empty Checking. Hi, Checkmates. How you doing? It's your old Uncle Derek coming to you from a uh, what is finally turning into fall weather time of the year here in St. Louis. Although I think we're going to be back in the 80s, like in the middle of the week, just for no reason. It's going to hit the 80s and be dumb and hot out of nowhere, and everyone's going to, oh, I already put away all my summer clothes. And, like, you lived in St. Louis for 40 years. How do you not know that that's going to happen? But then it'll get, you know, actual fall weather in the 60s and things after that. I think that's, I think that's a weather report. Going to rain at some point in there. I think it's going to rain, like, most of this week, actually, which I'm looking forward to. I like a good fall rain. It's going to be too hot for some of it, but I like a good fall rain. Fall is my favorite time of year. I really like fall or autumn, if you prefer, which I actually kind of do. I kind of prefer calling it autumn. Um, I, I I like this time of year quite a bit, and I'm, I'm looking forward to... Uh, I like when it gets a little bit rainy. I like that it gets a little bit... Uh, kind of grayer and but and but also like a lot browner (laughs) i i like the kind of the the way the the leaves change and all that i don't like dealing with the leaves in fact last couple of years i haven't and there's just been a like a yard and leaf and tree service that comes out at the end of every year or at the uh start of every you know kind of spring summer part of the year and and just kind of cleans up the yard for a price um I don't know. I, I maybe I'll try and do better about that this year. So far, not a lot of leaves hitting my lawn, though. You know, right now we're kind of in the period where there's a little bit, but it's it, it's the stuff that would have been there anyway. You know, ha- haven't really gotten the uh, the trees emptying out on me yet. But I'm I'm gonna try to stay a little bit more on top of that this year. I I actually want to get out there after some of the recent storms. I've got some sticks and twigs and stuff in sort of my rock garden out front. I guess it's a rock garden. It's it's very poorly maintained. I really want to get some landscapers out here and just say, look, get rid of the rocks that are currently there. You know, pull up whatever you got to pull up, and let's just start from scratch and design something new that I like. You know, <laughs> not that I dislike what's out there now, but it's just kind of been that forever, and it's spread out and kind of it's you know not. It's not nice anymore. It's just kind of there, you know? So I want to get some landscapers out here. That seems like it's going to cost a lot of money, though. And I don't I don't really want to do that. Still got to finish up a bathroom repair and other stuff. I, I mean, it just that getting the rock garden out front under control and managed and looking how I, in my head, think it could look is not my top priority, you know? just something that I think about from time to time when I'm out there. Anyway, hope you guys are doing okay. You folks, I should say. Sorry about that. I'm trying to uh, stop saying uh, gendered greetings like that. You guys, that kind of thing. 
because uh, many of you listening to this are not guys. Uh, you fit into a number of different uh, descriptions, and I I don't mean to. Uh, I, I'm just I'm I'm you know getting old, and I forget that it's I mean you know you guys was kind of. I mean, it's always been a gendered term, but it became genderless for a while there, you know what I mean? And that's sort of what happens in my head. It's just kind of, uh, you guys, you know, everything's fine. But uh, I've been trying to get that, uh, I've been trying to get rid of that. I've been trying to get that out of my mouth and say things like folks and people and things like that. So I hope you folks are doing okay out there. Uh, I'm doing okay, I guess. I've been, I've been achy lately, just kind of... And not like sick, achy, but just like stuff hurts, you know. Like there's a lot of I've had some extra activity and things, and stuff hurts. Because I'm at the point in my life where stuff hurts. Actually, I've been at the point in my life where stuff hurts since my twenties. But it's it's just kind of it's becoming a little bit more. Uh, like it doesn't take a lot to trigger it anymore. The like my neck has hurt all day today because yesterday I went to a Barnes and Noble and I was walking around and I thought. Ooh, hey, what's that? And I turned to my left a little bit too fast, and my neck just kind of did something weird. And like, oh, great, now my shoulders and arms hurt, too. Uh, so that's uh, that's where we are. But other than that, I guess I'm okay. Stuff doesn't seem like it's going too bad. Nobody nobody seems, like, mad at me or anything at the moment. Uh, I, I don't feel overly stressed. I always feel stressed, but I don't feel overly stressed at the moment. I feel like regular stressed, which is still gonna uh, kill me by the time I'm 60. But uh, at least I'll, you know, I at, at least it's no worse. At least I'm not gonna, you know, die in my 40s. It probably. Uh, that's hard to say, but it's, that's, I, I, I feel like I, I'm gonna make it till 60. That's how I feel this week. I mean, you want to shoot for 80 or so, but I, I, I feel like 60 is doable right now. That's, that's the level of stress I'm at. Hey, if you like this show, and based on that content, who wouldn't? There are some websites that you can check out. The show itself is... Uh, the show itself? The show has a companion blog. I, I don't remember how to do this ever. I'm looking at a list of things I'm supposed to say in my phone while I'm doing this, and I still don't know how to do it. The show has a companion blog over at emptychecking.blogspot.com. The show itself, there it is, is hosted at emptychecking.podbean.com. It's available on all of the podcasting apps, including the one that you're listening to it on right now. If it's not on your app of choice, please let me know, and I will get it there. It probably was there and somebody changed a rule and I didn't know it. Uh, but it's on, I, I think it's on all the major ones still. If it's not on your app of choice, then also tell me how you're listening to this. Presumably you went to the blog, which has a player on it alongside the photos and whatever I've written that week. Uh, it's on the apps. You know that. By the way, on the apps, please uh, please like, share, subscribe, all that stuff. Do do that. You can comment, too, but I'll never read it. But please do that on the app that you use for this. Like, like and subscribe and share in particular. Those really help metrics and help visibility of the show. If you want to know more about me and, and particularly my music career, please go over to DerekBrink.com. Lots of stuff to click on there, and it's in need of an update. If anybody's great at websites and will work for cheap, please let me know. 
Uh, if you like the music that you hear throughout the show, it's all stuff that I wrote, and it's all available for absolutely free over at derekbrink.bandcamp.com. All you do is enter zero as your purchase price, or more if you're feeling generous, and you can have it. I don't collect your email address, so I won't even know that you took it. I would just love it if you loved it. And if you want to email the show, me in particular, and talk about anything I said on this, or suggest topics, or present rebuttals, or whatever... Please feel free to do that at db at derekbrink.com. Those are my initials, D as in Derek, B as in Brink, at derekbrink.com. So those are the, those are the websites. Uh, I, I, we're going to talk about a bunch of music in this episode, but there's, uh, I want to just talk about a few things here in this intro that just sort of without it being a segment. I've been doing some reading lately, and there's just some stuff I want to talk about. Uh, I talked about uh, the, the Raymond Chandler book, uh, The Big Sleep, and I talked about The Princess Bride last week, and in book reports that I uploaded separately. Uh, I, I talked about those already. By the way, I watched the Princess Bride DVD, or Blu-ray, pardon me, and I've got the Criterion version of that. The supplements on the Criterion version are great. I've had that in my collection for a little while, and I just hadn't watched it. Uh, are you kidding me? There was a commentary that has Peter Falk talking on it, and I didn't know that until now. Uh, he doesn't say a lot, but it was still nice to hear Peter Falk on a commentary. I love Peter Falk, uh, and also others involved with that. <laughs> so it was, uh, it was nice listening to the commentary. That was fun for me. Um, but yeah, I've got a few kind of booky things to talk about. Uh, I It's uh, sort of the Halloween season. I refuse to say spooky season. I refuse to refer to it as that. I don't like it. No one consulted me on it. I'm not going to say it. Uh, but it is that. It's, you know, the Halloween month. It's October. Every store that you walk into has spiders on display for some reason. We've all just decided to embrace the spider for October. And I hate that. I can't go to Target. It's awful. And I uh, wish people wouldn't do that. I'm terrified of spiders. I would rather not look at spiders while I'm shopping for underwear or cutlery or uh, the other things you can buy at Target. Target seems particularly bad about the spiders. Target and Walmart seem particularly bad about the spiders. My grocery store isn't that bad. There are a couple, but they're not like everywhere, you know, but a lot of stores just really overdo it. But anyway, it's Halloween month, day, week, and uh, I, I, I like to, I, I don't really get into Halloween, like I don't go to a Halloween party, I don't do, I honestly, I don't even hand out candy, I turn off my porch light and the kids can go fuck themselves, basically. I mean, I don't want to put it that way, but they can, and uh, um, <laughs> I made myself laugh, sorry. Um, I don't, uh, uh, I don't give out candy, mainly because I, it just seems an unnecessary expense to buy it. You know, like I'm not, I don't got a lot of money. I've got enough money. I've got extra sometimes, and sometimes I buy something ridiculous with it. But it just, you know, the, the candy on the shopping list just seems like, uh, I, I don't, that seems like too much, man. Uh, you know, they can get candy other ways, and... Most of them are miserable, going door-to-door, -door, trudging around, begging for scraps. Like, most of them don't really want to do that. Like, like they, they do it because it's an obligation, you know? So I just make it a little bit easier on them, and I turn off my porch light, and nobody has to worry about it. 
Uh, so far, I've not been egged or teepeed as a result of it. Because I usually put a note on the door that says, no candy this year, uh, but happy Halloween. You know, something like that. Just kind of like, hey, I don't have anything for you, but I'm basically a nice guy. I don't wish you any ill. If this is your thing, go ahead and do it. But I'm, I'm going to be inside with the lights low. And I'll be watching the Rocky Horror Picture Show and having a great time with that. And I'll be watching Clue because Tim Curry. I might even watch Legend because Tim Curry... I'm probably, I've added uh, Knives Out to the list in recent years. Maybe I'll rewatch Glass Onion, too. Just make a day of it. What is Halloween, like a Tuesday this year? Maybe I'll make a day of it, or an evening. Anyway, I've got to work, but I can work from home. I should really work from home on Halloween, because Halloween, when you get, like, when you're going home, when I go home from the office, if, if you're out like, getting into my neighborhood at that time, it's impassable. You just can't get by for the kids and the parents in their cars driving very slowly behind the children, which is maddening. Either get out and walk or leave the kids alone. Don't creep along in your car making problems for others. This is what my neighborhood is like, so I think I need to work from home on Halloween. I'll make sure that that happens, I think. But, uh, yeah, the stuff that I do for Halloween, I watch those movies, but I also, throughout the month of October, like to read things that have a little bit of a spooky edge to them. Just, I'm not a full-on horror guy, usually. Like, I don't like to read stuff that unsettles me and leaves me sitting up for a while. Uh, I like the occasional ghost story because I don't believe in ghosts particularly, so that's fine. Or I like the occasional thing where, like, ah, and the guy turned into a monster, which is impossible. Uh, you know, stuff like that, but I don't like, uh, I don't like stuff like, uh, the Strangers movie. I don't want to get the strangers uh, ever. Uh, like, stuff like that freaks me out. Or even, even Texas Chainsaw Massacre, like, it's ridiculous and campy, and I can watch Texas Chainsaw Massacre and sleep like a baby. You know, it's not, it, like, that one doesn't disturb me that much. But, like, it's also possible, you know, up to a point. Uh, so, like, the stuff that's actually kind of possible, I don't like that stuff, and I don't usually read that stuff, because that sticks with me. But I do like the occasional scary story, the occasional ghost story, the occasional sort of suspense-type thing. And I especially like that in book form. Even the stuff that's a little bit more plausible, if it's in book form, I, yeah, I can close the book and feel okay. You know? So I... I know one of the authors I'm gonna mention definitely delves into that kind of stuff sometimes, but... I, I've never had a problem, you know? I've been reading some Neil Gaiman. Uh, I love Neil Gaiman. I've read most of the Neil Gaiman books that are out there uh, that you can you can pick up. The two that I haven't read are on the docket for October. I am about halfway through his collection of short stories called Trigger Warning. Uh, warning or Warnings? That'll be right on the blog, but it's not going to be right in this. I'm probably not even going to listen back to this before I upload it, because that's... The kind of quality you can expect from this show. Uh, I've been reading that, and I've got uh, also Norse mythology I haven't uh, read yet. And that's outside of the realm of Halloween, I know. But I just haven't read it yet, and I like Neil Gaiman. So I'm reading those. I also have a couple of books in line from Joe Hill, who uh, I've read several things that Joe Hill has done, and I like him a lot. Uh, Stephen King's son. I, everybody knows that now. But he went by the pen name Joe Hill, because uh, he wanted to stand on his own merit, which I always respect. But you see one picture of the guy, and you go, oh, you're Stephen King's son. He just looks like him, you know? 
uh, Joe Hill, incidentally, short for his real name, Joseph, and middle name, Hillstrom. Uh, so that, uh, you know, Joe Hill, which I actually realized only this week, that means that his actual name is Joe King. Joe King? Joe, he, well, I'm not joking, but he's Joe King. Uh, I, uh, Steve, what are you doing? <laughs> like, the, 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 he didn't have a chance. He had to go by Hill. <laughs> like, even if you wanted to go by Joe King, uh, that just, not great. <laughs> it's not great. I, I really respect him. Don't mean to make fun of him, but it's right there. Sorry. But I picked up a couple of things by Joe Hill. I picked up uh, the, the uh, Black Phone, which was published initially as 21st Century Goats. Uh, goats? 21st Century Goats. Uh, ghosts, I believe. 20th or 21st Century, whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, I also picked up um, his, uh, his book, Strange Weather. Uh, Black Phone is a bunch of short stories, and I like short stories. I didn't used to like short stories, but reading a bunch of the Gaiman ones got me into short stories. And reading a bunch of George Saunders and even some of the Kurt Vonnegut stuff. Uh, the Kurt Vonnegut stuff, uh, his short stories are fine, but they, they've never been my favorites. A couple of them stick with me, but most of them don't. Uh, Neil Gaiman, a number of his short stories have really stuck with me. That was kind of eye-opening, and a number of the George Saunders short stories have stuck with me. Now that I'm thinking about it, I don't think I've read most of the Vonnegut short stories since I've been, you know, over the age of 30, so I maybe need to give some of those a new shot now that I like short stories better, because I love Vonnegut, but I kind of, I kind of overlook his short story collections, except for a handful of, you know, this and that that you've got to know about, so maybe I'll do that in a different month when it's not Halloween time, but uh, the 20, the, the Black Phone one uh, is a bunch of short stories, and I'm looking forward to that. Um, and also, uh, uh, Strange Weather is four short novels, and I'm really looking forward to that, because I like, I like a short story, but I also like a slightly long short, I like a novella, a, a longer short story, that it's not quite long enough to be a full novel, but it's too long to be called a short story, like, I like a novella, like George Saunders' uh, the, Brief, the Brief and Frightening Reign of Phil. I really like that. That's a beautiful story. If you're going to read any Saunders, pick, pick up that. Uh, but we're not talking about Saunders right now, except that we are. Uh, but I'm, I'm looking forward to the, the four short stories, or the four short novels from Joe Hill. That might be the thing that I read after, after the gaming. Uh, that's, that's what my Halloween reading is this year. If I have time to squeeze in anything else, I don't know what it'll be. Somebody recommends something, maybe a good mystery or something. I'll just, you know, I love a good mystery. Uh, I guess there's one more kind of booky thing I can say before we get into the music segment. And who knows how long this episode will be. I have a feeling it won't quite make an hour, but that's okay. We're still kind of easing back in after some time off. Uh, one more bookie thing, uh, just something I haven't mentioned and I've been meaning to. Uh, I've talked about my love of the comic book Bone, or the, if you want to call it a graphic novel, whatever, Bone. I've talked about that quite a bit in the past on this show, so I won't rehash it a lot. But in the not-so-distant past, fairly recently, uh, the author, creator of Bone, uh, Jeff Smith, suffered a, a heart attack that apparently was pretty serious because he canceled the rest of his appearances for the year and that was i think in september maybe even maybe even august uh and so he's 
he's uh, convalescing, and from what I hear, he's doing you know well and coming through it just fine. But uh, it just kind of you know you hear a thing like that and you go, ooh, oh, I I really want him to be okay, you know. <laughs> so I I really want him to be okay. And if you've if you've heard me rant about how great Bone is, Bone not just one of my favorite comic books, one of my favorite books, period, full stop. I love Bone by Jeff Smith. Uh, it's adorable, It's but still gripping. It's genuinely an all-ages book. Like, kids can read it and get into it and not get too scared or, or whatever. But adults can read it and go, ooh, there's something here for me, too, that I, I really want to find out more about this and find out how it ends. You know, it starts off very sweet and quaint and kind of fun and funny, and it retains that humor throughout the whole run of it. But then it just kind of explodes into a Lord of the Ringsian <laughs> kind of depth of, you know, just it just this rich, rich fantasy world. And I love Bones so much. Uh, Jeff Smith has not been doing well lately. I understand he's doing better, but he, he went through some things. I'm sure he's got some hospital bills. If uh, if you want to buy some Bone stuff, now is the time to do it. His uh, his website is Boneville.com, spelled like you would think it would be spelled, but it doesn't lead to the kind of website you would think that Boneville would lead to. Uh, Boneville.com. You can buy stuff from there. If you go to your Barnes & Noble, the Bone comic is available in one volume or in nine separate volumes. Uh, it's 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 gonna be there at Barnes and Noble in some form or another. Pick it up. It's absolutely worth every penny that they're asking for. It, whatever they're asking for it, um, he could just probably use a couple of bucks right now. You know, I'm sure he's doing fine. I'm sure you know financially. I'm sure he's been in a good place, is in a good place, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, but you know, guy went through some health problems. Give him a couple of bucks. You know, if you get a chance. I myself have been kind of eyeing some of the t-shirts and things like that. I bought a I bought a poster a couple of years ago. That's detailed on this blog somewhere. I bought a poster that's got his autograph on it that's behind me right now in the room that I'm recording this in. And uh, I, I love looking up at that and just kind of going, oh, yeah, I've got Jeff Smith's autograph on my wall. That feels nice, you know, and... But I'm, I'm looking into some of the t-shirts and that kind of stuff. Uh, unfortunately, most of the t-shirts that I like are not available in my size, so I'm kind of trying to figure out what I can buy to help the guy, you know? But maybe you'll have better luck than I do to that end. And uh, if, if, if you haven't read it, buy it, read it. You'll have a great time. Your Uncle Derek knows what he's talking about. Uh, I think that's it for the intro. We're, <laughs> we're 20 minutes in, and that's the end of the intro. Uh, we've got a bunch of music to talk about. It's going to be a good time. I think you're going to really enjoy it. I know I'm going to enjoy talking about it, especially one thing in particular I've been itching to talk to you about, and I just haven't done it yet. So I'm, I'm really looking forward to that. Going to do a little bit of a music catch-up. Uh, music catch-up? I hardly even know her. And we'll, uh, we'll, <laughs> that's so crap, I'm sorry. We'll, uh, we'll do our music catch-up, and then we'll, we'll be done with this episode, I guess. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I've been doing this show for years. I have no idea how to do it. This is episode 165. There have been episodes, kind of phone uploads and stuff in between some of those, so we're actually way higher in uploads than 165. There was a version of this show that existed before the current run of it that I had a bunch of episodes under that version of the show. I still have no idea what I'm doing. I think I've been doing this since, like, 2008 or something like that, 2007. I still don't know what I'm doing. I'm so sorry. Why are you listening? Stop listening! 
Okay, I'm kidding. Don't stop listening. But th thank you for listening, and thank you for putting up with this. I'm assuming you're still here because you find it charming. Alright, checkmates. We've got some music to catch up on here in this particular episode. As I said before you listen to me sing something that I'm going to insert in post, uh, or possibly just play something. I don't know what the music is while I'm recording it. That, uh, that happens after I'm done. Little look behind the curtain there. The music that you hear in this, it's, it's all in post, in, including the theme and stuff. Uh, that sound you might have heard in the background was my cats fighting over a thing. Uh, they're adorable boys. They're very sweet. And they're, uh, a little bit, uh, worked up right now. Because they were, they were alone all day. I had to go into my office today as I'm recording this. And, uh, uh, they, uh, got a little, got a little squirrely while I was gone. And they're just letting out some energy now. So sorry if you keep hearing that throughout the rest of the show. There goes John down the hall. And McGuire has followed him. Okay, great. Um... We got music to catch up on. Uh, a couple of, well, actually, I think everything that I'm going to talk to you about is in some way new, even though some of it is old. That'll make more sense as this goes on. But let's talk about a couple of recent releases. I've uh, got one in my hand here by the band Slow Dive. It's called Everything is Alive. Slow Dive is one of the bands that really kind of helped give shape to the shoegaze uh, genre of music. If you don't know what shoegaze is, uh, what's the best way to describe it? I guess it's called shoegaze because really that's that's sort of what the band is doing and what the fans are also doing. Just sort of looking down at your shoes as the music kind of drones on behind you. Uh, and drone is the wrong word for it, but it's also not entirely misleading. Uh, it's not the kind of drone stuff that you you know, might think of that's just just you know boring one note at a time type drone. But there is kind of a uh, a, uh, a sort of droney element to most shoegaze music. There is sort of a we're gonna play this riff a bunch, and you know some other stuff will happen around it, but we're gonna play this riff just a bunch, and that's uh, that's kind of what that's kind of what shoegaze is like. Slow. But hi, McGuire. Okay, he's out of his mind. It's fine. Uh, Slow Dive is one of the bands that is certainly of that genre, but they have a little bit more going on than some of those bands, possibly because they influenced all of those bands and they know how to set the trend, you know? Uh, Slow Dive went away for something like 20 years, and they came back with an album a few years ago that is maybe their best, and then this year they released Everything is Alive, the new one. And I picked up Everything is Alive on the recommendation of somebody I know who I trust, who doesn't normally like Slow Dive, but really liked this album. And uh, I'd heard their previous album and liked it fine, but didn't really think much about, you know, getting another one, you know? You know how that happens sometimes? Sometimes you find an album and you go, wow, this is a really good album. I, I'm going to love this album forever, even, maybe. Uh, but then, like, you just don't check out anything else the band has done. That, uh, that was my experience with Slow Dive's previous album. 
But I did check out this one because it came recommended to me by someone that I like. And uh, listened to it, and yeah, I get it. It's it's really good. It's really good. It has the sort of droney, hypnotic quality to it that sort of locks you in, but then they've got just enough going on that it keeps you interested. You know? That's, that's, that's all you can really ask of a shoegaze band. And they do it elegantly and perfectly. And I have no idea what any of their lyrics are. And I never will. Um, <laughs> and that's fine. Uh, I sort of love that. It's just, you know, there are words, there are voices, there are lyrics. It doesn't matter what they are, really. You can make up your own stuff and it'll be fine. That said, I like the voices of the cats in Slow Dive. And I like the music of the cats in Slow Dive. So if you want something that you can just kind of put on and... And if you... If you just want sound in the room or in the car, it'll serve that purpose. But if you also want something that you have to focus on and think about and kind of go, kind of close your eyes and let your head kind of droop down and, and just kind of nod along to the music and experience what it's like to shoegaze, this one more than does that job, too. You can focus in on it or you can appreciate it very passively and it works really really well either way because i've done both so uh yeah slow dives uh everything is live really great release i'm really enjoying it here at at this late stage in the year we're in october folks we're getting close to the end of the year and this one came out not that long ago and i'm really enjoying it uh something that came out even later than that is the new one by baroness it's called stone uh, Baroness is a metal act that does metal and then gets a little weird sometimes, and that is all over Stone. Uh, probably not the one to start with. Probably want to start with Red Album or Blue Album or something like that. But Stone is very much like you hear it and you go, oh, that's a Baroness album. You know? <laughs> like they have, they have this sound that feels very lush and very well-arranged and very thought about and very plotted out and very planned out, very progressive in that way, even though they're not a progressive band. That is the wrong word for it. But they also, like, you'll be listening to it and go, wow, this sounds so full and lush, and, well, that lead guitar sounds like it was recorded in a bathroom, but otherwise, lush, you know? <laughs> they're that, they've got that kind of sound to what they do, but nice and heavy, nice and thick-sounding, but they're they're also not afraid to get weird, and they get weird plenty on this album. There's a straight-up, like, country song on this album at one point, and they just... It's it's all over the place in a way that I really, really appreciate as someone who's listened to most of their catalog in the past. Uh, I should say I'm not, uh, I'm not a Baroness aficionado. I can't talk to you in depth about their recordings from album to album. Uh, I can only name a handful of song titles, you know, because, uh, just how much attention do you get to pay to song titles anymore it, with the way that we all consume music now? Uh, that's one of the problems with the digital music age, but maybe we'll talk about that more some other time, uh, or later in this, who knows? I, I have plotted out very little, but Baroness, uh, always, always interesting. Like I'm, I'm not a... Again, I haven't done the deep dive informational, you know, encyclopedic research stuff on them, but they're always interesting, and every album is its own kind of unique experience, and the experience of Stone is very, 
well, varied. Very varied. There's a good episode title for you. It's uh, very varied. It really is. It's a little all over the place, but it still maintains a cohesive sort of vibe that is 100% barrenness. So I, I really enjoyed it. I'm, I'm getting a big kick out of the Stone album. And those are the two that uh, are really kind of newer that I want to touch on. I want to certainly get quick reviews of them onto the podcast before the end of the year or whatever. But So Slow Dive and Baroness, really enjoying their two most recent albums. The other two that I have to talk about are older albums, but they've gotten new releases. They've gotten sort of the uh, deluxe treatment. And they're in our hands again in a new form with new stuff. And I sort of love when that happens, when an album that I adore gets the deluxe treatment, and there are two that have happened recently. And I'm going to do them in order of uh, smallest to largest, I guess. Um, one of the ones that got the deluxe treatment came out very recently is the deluxe edition of Jason Isbell's... <clears throat> excuse me. I just choked on nothing. Uh, Jason Isbell's uh, Southeastern album. Widely regarded as most people's favorite Isbell record. Not everybody's, but most people's. Uh, it's up there for mine, although I'll be honest with you, the new one has really got its hooks into me. But uh, Southeastern, love that record. It's, it immediately became one of my all-time favorites. It's been in regular rotation for me for the last 10 years. And I know it's been 10 years because right now I'm holding in my hands the 10-year anniversary edition which is three CDs, I think it's four vinyl LPs, I haven't bought the vinyl set yet. You'll notice that word, yet. We're waiting for a Christmas bonus or something, because of the other thing that I'm going to talk about that I did buy. But I picked up the Isbel uh, Southeastern 10th Anniversary Edition. It's three CDs. It, of course, has a remastered version of the album itself. Perfect. You know, that's... Uh, if they just did a remastered version with the little bit of extras, that would have been fine. Or if they just did a really good remastered version, that, that would have been fine. They did remasters of uh, uh, the 400-unit record and the Here We Rest record that are beautiful remasters. They're wonderful. I bought those, and they're fantastic. I love the remasters of those albums. If they had just done that with this album, it would have been fine. But they know that this is his biggest album, and they want to give people something special. So they did. They have two more discs in here. Disc 2 is the demos. It's just Jason with a guitar demoing out the songs before he went into the studio to actually record them. Uh, that's a little bit of a lost art. Like, I don't, I don't even do that anymore. Anything you hear on my releases, I really don't have that many demos anymore. I don't sit down with just an acoustic and a single microphone and just demo a song anymore. If I do, it's a very rough sketch and you wouldn't want to pay to hear it, you know? <laughs> like, it's just kind of, uh, this is in standard tuning. I'm playing mostly on the D string, and that's, that's what my demos are like these days. Used to be, I would sit down and I'd, you know, go through and I'd demo all the songs with the idea that I was going to hand that demo to other musicians to play on a record with me or to play live with me and that kind of thing. I don't do that anymore. I just release albums. Uh, I don't know if Isbel does that with other stuff. I don't know how many people honestly do do that with other stuff because on the road and home recording has gotten so easy and so good that you really don't have to demo anymore. So what we've got here is Jason doing the demos of the songs on Southeastern 
And that's kind of a gift, because right when this album came out was right when that stuff got to be really easy and really affordable. He didn't have to do that. He had his band with him all the time. He didn't have to do any of that. But he did, and they're here. And it's interesting to listen to those demos and hear some of those songs really stripped down to their basic elements and hear some of the ways that they changed from demo to album. And then we get another CD. The demos, if it was just the demos, this would be worth the price. Whatever, I, I think it was like 30 bucks. I think it was like 10 bucks a CD. It might be 40 uh, if, if it was just those two discs, it'd be worth that. But we get a third disc. And the third disc is, ten years later, a live performance with Jason Isbell and the 400 unit. They did the entire Southeastern record live in Nashville. And uh, it was really interesting hearing the new takes on some of those songs and the way they've changed and the way the band has sort of grown up around those songs and the different feel that some of those songs now have that they've been they've been lived in for a while. And the live version is really interesting. And he tells some really fun and funny stories about some of the songs. There's a story t he tells about talking to John Prine the, the, by the CD or the album, or God forbid, the download. And uh, just, I, I'm not going to spoil it. Buy that. It's like, you, you need to hear him tell that story because I would just absolutely butcher it. But... Him talking to John Prine about one of these songs is worth the price of admission alone. I love the Southeastern record. I love Jason Isbell. And uh, this 10th anniversary edition, I couldn't have asked for more from it. I mean, I, you know, what, what am I, 40-something? Uh, God willing, I might still be around for the 50th anniversary of that album. I can't imagine what would be in the box set that was going to be any better than what we've got here. A couple more live shows, probably, but that's it. What we got in this package is wonderful. Can't say enough about it. It's absolutely wonderful. If you're an Isbel person, pick up the Southeastern uh, 10th Anniversary Edition. Absolutely worth your time, absolutely worth your investment. And it's just a really great album that has aged really, really well. In fact, some things on it just seem to get more and more relevant. You know? I loved it. I think you'll love it too if you're a person like me or if you like Jason Isbell at all. It's, it's just worth it. It's just worth it. I also bought one more anniversary edition of an album. It was inevitable. It was a lot of money. There was... I'm not gonna lie to you. Checkmates, I'm not going to lie to you. Your Uncle Derek wouldn't lie to you. There was an inkling of buyer's remorse when I ran the card because I went, wow, this is a lot of money, you know? And I kind of, I had the order in before my car broke down and the entire timing chain had to be replaced. Of course, I put in the order like two days before that. That's just how life is. So running the card on that, I was like, uh, I don't know. I don't know if I should even be doing this, man. And then I did it, and I took it home, and just opening it up, I went, oh, worth every penny. Because what I bought is the 50th anniversary edition, the super deluxe box set version of the Who's Next album by The Who. Who's Next slash Lifehouse 50th anniversary Technically 54th anniversary, but hey, who's counting? 
Super Deluxe box set. What's in a Super Deluxe box set by The Who? Let me tell you. You get 10 CDs. That's 10 CDs. The album itself is one CD. You get nine other CDs. That includes Pete Townsend's demos. That includes some early takes with The Who. That contains some non-album takes with The Who. Just some extra stuff that they they hadn't really released in this format before. Most of it has found its, found its way out in one form or another. But... You know, just the original sessions and stuff that The Who was doing leading into this album. It includes two live performances that have never been released in full. That's pretty amazing. Uh, it includes also a Blu-ray audio disc that uh, has the entire album plus the bonus stuff that also would have made it onto Lifehouse. A little bit like the uh, remastered version that they, that they put out in the late 90s that had all the extra tracks on it. It's sort of that, except it's Blu-ray audio, and also, like, while you're watching the Blu-ray, it puts up, like, pictures and stuff that are kind of cool of the band from the time and, and stuff, and you you get a full AV experience watching it, so that's that's in there, too. Uh, so that's that's uh, that makes up the 10 CDs, but there's more. You also get posters. You get a a, a photo that has... Uh, the whose autographs on it, not actual autographs, but it has their autographs on it, and it's so high quality and high res that it might trick people into thinking that it's real if you put it in a frame, which I might do because I love them. Uh, you get some buttons that you can put on a coat or a jacket or a hat. Uh, you know how buttons work. You get some posters. That's all fine, great and groovy, wonderful. You also get a very thick book that has photos and has a whole long write-up about The Who and the album and all of that stuff. You also get, uh, I think it's an 80-page comic book version of the story of Lifehouse, which I have not read yet. It's on my list of stuff to read, but I just haven't gotten there yet because, my God, there's so much to absorb in this box set. Tell me that's not worth the price. You can Google the price. Uh, Dad, don't Google the price. Uh, but everybody else can Google the price. It's worth every penny. The CDs and the Blu-ray alone are worth it. You get two live shows no one has heard outside of this box set. You get them performing the songs before the album was released at the Young Vic in London in 1971. Nobody knows these songs yet. They opened up a free show and people came in and they did a bunch of songs from Lifehouse slash Who's Next and a handful of songs that people knew. You also get a CD from 1971 after the album came out from uh, the Civic Auditorium in San Francisco, and people now kind of know the songs, and the Who's a lot more familiar with them, and it's not a free show, <laughs> so it's a very different vibe, and they're both really fun and interesting in their own way. Like, just th those two alone, I would pay not the full price of the box set, but a significant chunk of it. I'd pay, I'd pay 20 bucks for each of those show shows. I'd pay 40 bucks. For, for just those, just those four CDs, I'd pay 40 bucks for that. Easy. It's great. It's awesome. It's a lot of fun. It's The Who with Keith Moon and John Entwistle still alive. Playing live stuff that you haven't heard before. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
And then there's all that other stuff. I mean, it's so cool, just the music alone, but you also get all that nonsense swag that you can throw on your walls or jacket or what have you. But you also get the really cool book, and you also get the really cool comic book. And you get this awesome box set that gets to just kind of sit in your house somewhere and people can go, well, what the hell's that? And you can say, that's the who's, who's Next 50th Anniversary box set, and it's awesome. You know what's in it? All this stuff is in it. And it's great. It's exciting because it's probably the Who's Best album. A little bit hard to say that because those of you who know me know that I'm a Quadrophenia guy. Quadrophenia, hands down, my favorite Who album. There's a strong argument for Tommy. There's a strong argument for Tommy. But Who's Next... I mean, come on. Babbo O'Reilly, Bargain, Love Aim for Keeping, My Wife, Song Is Over, Getting In Tune, Going Mobile, Behind Blue Eyes, Won't Get Fooled Again. That's the original album track list. That's virtually the Who's greatest hits. You throw in See Me, Feel Me. You know? <laughs> you throw in Who Are You? You throw in Slip Kid, because everybody should like Slip Kid more. You know? <laughs> you throw in You Better Your Bet. You, you know, but... Those nine songs together on one album? Folks, if you don't know the Who, start with Who's Next. It's probably their best pound-for-pound pound album. And there's a 50th anniversary edition out. There's a two-disc out there that for most of you will more than do the job. It, it has the album in its beautiful new remaster, and it has some of the bonus stuff. Not all of it, not half of it, not... Uh, not a ninth of it, <laughs> but it has some of the bonus stuff, and it's a lot of fun, and it's really cool, but guys like me, we're gonna get the 10 disc. We're just going to. And by the way, the new master, the new master sounds great. Of course it does. It's a great album, but the new master sounds great. It sounds very, very present, very alive, very the separation on it between the stereo channels almost matches the vinyl. That's very hard to do. Take my word for it. I've listened to the vinyl copy of this recently, and the separation is bar none. This does a pretty good job of getting close. Uh, one of the things that jumped out at me listening to it, and it's been there all the time, but one of the things jump, that jumped out to me listening to the new master, because it's so much clearer, is all the reverb. That is on Roger Daltrey in particular, on, particularly on his vo vocals. There's a lot of reverb, and it just sounds like he's everywhere, and it's really cool. You know, like it's 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 not distracting, but like and like I said, that reverb was always there, and you kind of don't think about it, partially just because why would you ever put reverb on Roger Daltrey? But it was the style at the time, and uh, but it's it 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 really kind of jumped out at me listening to this master that wow, they really captured that. They really brought that brought that out in a way that I don't think I've noticed before. Like, I went back to a previous master of the album and listened to it again and went, yeah, it's always been there. I just, huh. <laughs> it just jumped out at me this time, you know? Uh, the high end of the album is a little bit scaled back. I'm for that because people don't understand how bass-driven the Who is, both bass guitar and just low-end driven. Uh, there are moments where you can hear in Pete's acoustic track when he's playing the acoustic guitar you can hear sounds that he doesn't want you to hear like harmonic rings and pick scrapes it's just a really really revealing master and by the way Entwistle's bass it's always been the foundation of the band and they 
really did right by him on this. It's just so fucking clear. It's just so fucking clear, the bass. It's wonderful. Moon's drums seem restrained in places, but they explode out at just the right times in that wonderful way. That's not new to the album either, but it really jumped out at me in this master again. This master really brought out the horns on My Wife. They're like soul-piercing. And My Wife is not one of the best Who songs. A lot of people don't like My Wife, uh, the song My Wife. Not My Wife, but the song My... I don't have a wife. Uh, so if you don't like My Wife you know things that I don't about my future. Maybe, you time-traveling weirdo. Uh, but uh, the, the horns on that song are like soul-piercing. They're just so present and alive. And let me tell you this. The key tones, the keyboards, Rabbit, uh, John Rabbit Bundrick, is that correct? Let's go with it. Rabbit, uh, his keyboards and his organs and stuff are nicely highlighted in this master in a way I don't think they have been before. He finally has a master where he feels as important as the rest of the band and as important as he was in the sound of the band. Uh, there are times where Pete's vocals are mixed so well they almost sound better than Roger's. They, they did right by Pete's vocals on this too. Uh, I'll tell you this, I had it playing so loud the first time I, I listened to it, the Cats were hanging out with me, one of whom just meowed that sounded like McGuire. Hi, buddy. I don't know if you guys can hear that at home. Uh, I don't know what this microphone picks up. I'm still rocking the Shure SM58 I talked about last week. I was listening to it loud the first time. The cats were hanging out for a lot of it, but it got really loud, and they were kind of like, I don't know about this. And John kind of wandered off back to his room. He was like, this isn't for me. <laughs> it's too loud. You know, they've heard The Who before, and they don't object to the band itself, apparently, but it was just really loud. So he kind of went, this is too loud, and just wandered off. And McGuire stuck with me. He was on my lap for the whole time until we hit The Song Is Over, uh, because the, the Song Is Over has that you know, sort of keyboard synth organ. I'm not quite sure what it is. Uh, it's got to be a synth because of the slide in it. It's got that... Yeah, that kind of slidey part to it in the in the keys. Uh, that was not what it sounds like at all. I don't know what song I was singing just now. I know how it goes, but I've never tried to sing it before. Uh, but it's got that part in it. And, like, that part hit, and McGuire jumped up on my lap and ran away. Uh, poor boy has just never heard that kind of dynamic pitch sweep before. And it, it freaked him out. And uh, after a while, I kind of I was still listening to the album and still sitting there just going, all right, this is this is cool. And I kind of realized both of the cats left. Are they are they all right? You know. And I kind of got up and went back to their room. And they've got you know their own room. And they've got a there's a rocking chair in that room where I sit and pet them and stuff. And because uh, I'm like that. And uh, they were both hiding inside of the chair. <laughs> Which they normally only do when I have company over that they don't know. They hide inside, like, inside the chair and the inner workings of the chair. Just because they're like, there are other people here and we don't know them. And we're, we, we don't want to be around those people. We're scared of those people. So they, like, the who was so loud they thought I had company. Uh, and uh, I felt a little bit bad about that. I was like, oh, sorry, boys. I'll, I'll be honest with you, checkmates. I did not stop listening. But, <laughs> you know, uh, I, I loved this release so much and this experience so much that it freaked out my cats. That's, that's sort of where we landed with the Who's Next Super Deluxe box set. In case you couldn't tell, I like it. 
And uh, <laughs> I, I, if you've uh, been thinking about picking that up and you haven't, and you're on the fence, if you need somebody to push you off the fence, it's a lot of money. It, it's a lot of money, and you're going to know that when you're buying it. It was absolutely worth it to me, man. And it might be to you, too. I, I love The Who. I love Lifehouse. I've got the old Pete Townsend Lifehouse Elements box set that came out in 1999. Although one of the CDs won't play anymore, and I don't know why. And it's impossible to replace that. You can't replace it. You look it, you look it up on eBay, and it's hundreds of dollars. Because those things were pretty limited. So mine's not worth as much as it could be. But I still have it. Fortunately, I've got digital copies of all that stuff. I ripped everything when it when I got my hands on it, you know, the first time. And uh, although I'm not a huge fan of digital media, there are some things you do that with just in case. And I did that with this, uh, with the Lifehouse Elements box set. And I've also done that with the 50th anniversary box set that I've been talking about for quite some time now. Uh, so I've got the old Pete Townsend stuff. That was actually my one complaint, is this box set kind of a little bit pretends that that box set didn't exist, because Pete put out a six CD set in 99, and some of that's on this one, like some of his demos are obviously the same demos as before, and even in the promo stuff leading up to it, they didn't, didn't really go out of their way to say, hey, those of you who have the Townsend set... Yeah, some of this is the same, but look at all this other stuff that's different. You know, like, they, they could have done that for a couple of us. That said, it wouldn't have stopped me, <laughs> you know? Uh, and it didn't stop me, obviously, because I knew that I saw, oh, Pete Townsend demos. Well, I bet I have a lot of that. And yes, I do. It's okay. That's, that's absolutely okay. I'm fine with that. Because it was great to hear him again. And it's, what, 25 years later since that? And it they're they're newly mastered again you know and they sound even better now you know and that's that's cool i really loved the experience of diving into that box set i'm looking forward to reading the book a little bit more thoroughly i'm looking forward to diving into the comic book there's just this thing's going to keep me entertained for months man the live shows alone Absolutely worth it. You guys need to hear those live shows. I don't know if they plan to release them outside of the box set, but if they do, pick them up. Pick them up. They're really cool and a lot of fun. And if they don't, you can come to me and I will let you hear them. So that's where we are. That's, uh, that's the music I wanted to talk to you about. Or a sentence like that. Uh, new Slow Dive album, new Baroness album, re-release of Jason Isbell's Southeastern, and My God a re-release of Who's Next slash Lifehouse. Absolutely worth it on all fronts. This has been a magnificent musical month for me. Tell me that's not an alliteration, you fucking liar. Doesn't matter if it's raining Doesn't matter Well, I think that was a pretty solid episode. I don't know about you. I'm, I'm also not particularly asking, but if you want to tell me your thoughts, you can do that at db at derekbrink.com. I, I, I enjoyed that. I enjoyed that episode quite a bit. I don't know why I'm saying that like I'm surprised by it. 
I talked about stuff I like to people that I like. Of course I enjoyed that. Why wouldn't I enjoy that? There have been times, honestly, where I haven't enjoyed that. But I enjoyed it this time. <laughs> and I hope all of you did too. I uh, have some other stuff that I kind of wanted to go on a rant about that I'm not going to because we're coming up on the hour mark. I didn't think we'd make it that far, but I talked about The Who for like a while because uh, I love The Who, in case you didn't get that. I love The Who. Uh, and Pete Townsend, uh, I, I, I know easily as much about Townsend's solo career as I do about The Who. It may be that I'm just a big Pete fan. In fact, it's probably that I'm just a big Pete fan, too. Although, I would, I would definitely take a bullet for Roger. I'd take, uh... I'd take a few things for Roger. Sorry, uh, I was just imagining for a minute there. Everything's fine. Uh, I, uh, I like The Who a lot, so I talked about that for a while. Uh, I, I thought about going on a rant at the end of this episode about how I sort of hate digital media and what downloads and streaming have turned into... Uh, let's just take that as read. I assume by the fact that I'm talking about physical products, you know that I prefer physical products to downloads. Uh, I, uh, I, I'm, I, w what happened is earlier today as I'm recording this, somebody quoted Steve Jobs, who was paraphrasing a Henry Ford quote that no one knows if Henry Ford actually made. Uh, Steve Jobs, when he was talking about having released the iPod upon humanity, uh, he said, if I'd asked people what they wanted, they would have said that they just wanted a better CD player. And he said, and instead, he gave us the iPod, as though the iPod didn't fucking ruin everything, because it, it made things really bad for bands. Bands can't support themselves releasing albums and supporting albums anymore. Uh, it made things bad for collectors. It made the human element of having to interact with people about music go away completely. Uh, it, 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 it really ruined a lot of things, and I got mad at it. And I, I'm just, I'm, I'm mad at uh, what, how we experience music now, and I'm mad at Steve Jobs for having been Steve Jobs. If he hadn't done it, somebody else would have, and I know that we would have been here anyway. It might have taken slightly longer, but we would have been here anyway. Uh, but he uh, did do it, so I hate him. Uh, that's <laughs> that's kind of how I feel about it. Um, and look, I understand the conveniences of it. I really do. I, I release stuff regularly as a mus musician, and I release stuff in a way that I would not be able to release it without the internet being what it is and without streaming media and digital media being what it is. I certainly reap some of the advantages of that. At the same time, if I didn't have those advantages, my uh, discography would be a lot more uh, concise, like I wouldn't have as much out there, but it would also be a lot more, like, razor-honed. It'd be, <laughs> like, I... I listen back to my older stuff and go, well, I, I wouldn't release that song now, certainly, you know. Like, it would be a lot more focused. It'd be a lot more... It, it would be a shorter, but maybe better discography. And I'm not the only person that can say that. And most of what you hear streaming these days, just, like, the number one stuff, the stuff that's the top stream on Spotify, it sucks. It just sucks. There's plenty of great stuff out there. This is not a factor of my age. The stuff that's top of the charts sucks. You gotta go way down the charts to hit the good stuff. And I'm not even talking about just the guitar-driven stuff that I'm, I'm drawn to. I understand 
why that's not top of the charts right now. The stuff that is the top of the charts isn't the good version of that stuff. Like, there's the good version of that stuff is out there, I have heard it, and it's not at the top of the charts, because society has changed in a way that everything just sucks now, and we've got Steve Jobs to thank for that. That's a very concise version of that rant. I've used the word concise more than once in this episode. Count them, and then get back to me, and I will award you nothing. Uh, thanks for listening. Really appreciate it. I, get, I, I got in that rant after all. It was just shorter than I thought it would be. Buy physical products. Bands actually see profits from that. Uh, don't, don't, uh, don't listen to Spotify. If you're listening to this on Spotify, listen to it. Uh, well, you know, it doesn't matter if you listen to me on Spotify. I don't make any money off this show. If you're listening to bands on Spotify, go out and buy their stuff. At least if you're going to buy their downloads or listen to their downloads or whatever, buy it from their website so they see some of the profit of that and can keep making music. What we've done to music is horrible, and one day we will face God and have to account for that. He'll ask each of us, did you have a Spotify account? What did you listen to to on it? Was it a podcast? I'll let you slide on podcasts. But was it, I mean, was it an album by an indie band? You realize that they got less than a cent on the dollar for that, right? You're gonna have to, you're gonna have to tell God that you knew that. You're gonna, you're gonna have to tell God. Thanks for listening to the show. Uh, Checkmates, please remember to do whatever keeps you happy, healthy, and safe. Please remember that black lives matter, that LGBTQIA plus rights are human rights, that women's rights are human rights, and that I shouldn't have to tell you any of that. And please, in a time when we look at what's happening in Israel and Palestine and most of us don't even know what to say, maybe the best thing we can do checkmates please be good to each other and be good to yourself and forgive each other and forgive yourself and while you're doing all that check us out next time Also, Steve Jobs is like the one guy who looks bad in black.